If you're new to church, we want to welcome you. Maybe this is your first time at Southside, or maybe uh, you are here just kind of exploring some some questions you've got about God and about the church, and we're glad you're here, and we're actually glad that you came today. Uh, We're going to, in just a few minutes, participate in communion, uh, which is something that, uh, if you're not familiar with what communion is about today, I hope that you'll leave with uh, a little better understanding of what it is when the church takes communion. Some of you have experienced maybe communion done in different uh, church traditions. There are lots of different ways that it takes place, and we, of course, have a particular way that we also take communion. Uh, But like communion, there are other things about church, about Christianity that sometimes can be confusing, that can sometimes cause and raise questions in your mind. And that is really because uh, this is often about that. You know what I'm talking about? This is often about that. So, for example, even as we have all this cool scenery around and we're going to have a lot of fun this week with Vacation Bible School, that is really about the hope that we can teach children that Jesus loves them, that God has made a way for them. So this is really about that. And when you read your Bible, so many times what you're reading uh, has multiple meanings. It, 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 it not just has a meaning in its immediate reading, but it has meaning that sometimes stretches out past the time it was written into your life right there in that moment, and even past that into eternity, that this is often about that. So the passage that was read for you earlier from John 6, uh, the, the fellows that came up and read that, it's one of the most difficult passages, I think, in the New Testament. And it was one of the most difficult things that the people who first heard Jesus speak ever heard him say. So much so that we'll discover next week that most of them left him at that point once they heard what he had to say. And we, when we come to the idea of communion, many people have said, well, what Jesus was really talking about was communion, was this idea of, of the bread you know, symbolizing the body and you have to eat it and you know, the wine symbolizing the blood and you have to, to drink it. But I don't believe that's true. I actually believe that communion is really about what Jesus said. What Jesus was saying wasn't about communion. Communion was pointing to what Jesus said. Let me give you an example. That would be like me saying, my marriage is about this ring. That my wedding and my marriage and my relationship with Sherry really all comes down, it's all about this ring right here. You know that's not true. In fact, this ring is about... My marriage, this ring is about my commitment to my wife. The symbol itself points to something much bigger. And when we take communion in just a little bit, what we are taking, what we are experiencing points us to the very thing that Jesus was saying in this passage in John chapter chapter 6, that this is about that. This is about something much, much bigger. The entire chapter actually is that way. Uh, John was Jewish, and John understood that his Jewish readers reading this story placed a lot of hope in their religious beliefs on the story from the Old Testament that we know of as the Exodus story. You, you've, you've probably heard this story. There was a movie that was released not long ago. I think it did terrible in the box office about the Exodus. But this whole idea of the Exodus that God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses. Moses went to Egypt and miraculously God delivered his people out of slavery. 
they, the night that he was about to deliver them, he gave them this, this, uh, the idea of this Passover feast, that there was a lamb that they were to slaughter. And this Passover lamb, if we, I think we've got a graph here from Exodus that we're going to compare what, what John's talking about. Oh, it's over here. Exodus, the Passover lamb. So they slaughtered this lamb, and it was to be a reminder that God was going to deliver them out of slavery. So then, as they're leaving Egypt, they come to the Red Sea, and they have to make this miraculous uh, pass through the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea, and they pass through the waters of the Red Sea. And then they get into the desert where they're hungry. They don't have any food. And so what God does is he causes a miracle. He causes bread to rain down from heaven, and it's called man. And he fed them in the desert with this manna. John knows this. Every good Jew knows this story. They've rehearsed it from the time they were born. It would be for like it would be like us rehearsing the Christmas story with our children. Like they, they just know it from the time they're born. Well, what John does in chapter six is he makes a relationship and says, "Listen, that story was really pointing you to something much bigger that God was going to do." In Jesus Christ. And so in John chapter 6, it starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. Do you remember he took just a little, a few pieces of bread and a couple fish and he fed 5,000 people and everybody immediately made the connection. Oh, just like God provided manna miraculously to feed our forefathers in the desert, Jesus is feeding everybody. And then from there, Jesus sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee and their storm rose up. And in the middle of that storm, we read, we read just a couple weeks ago that Jesus walked through the storm and delivered the disciples safely to the other side. And, and so when all the crowd realized that Jesus had reached the other side, they're like, how did you get here? How did you reach the other side? So there's a connection between walking on water and the crossing of the Red Sea. And then as that crowd gathers around Jesus, they have come to him for one reason only. They have come to him because they're hungry again. Because the the food that Jesus fed them just the other day, guess what happened? It's already burned off. Because guess what happens? In just a few hours, what are you going to do? What is going to be top on your priority list really soon? Eating lunch. And then just about six hours after that, what's your top priority going to be? Eating dinner. It it never ends, does it? (laughs) It, You're always hungry. And even after you eat a fantastic meal, you could eat the fanciest, most expensive, richest meal ever. What happens in just a few hours after consuming the meal? You're hungry again. So these people, even though they had eaten this bread that Jesus had miraculously multiplied, they were still hungry. And they came back to Jesus for bread. And Jesus said, you know what? I've got something better for you. You're just going to constantly be hungry, but I am giving you myself as the bread of life. And so Jesus is saying, and John is highlighting this idea, that the body of Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. That through Jesus' death, through his crucifixion, which is coming up in, in just about a year from this, from this story, Jesus will be crucified. Jesus is saying, it is my death on the cross. It is my body broken, my blood that is poured out for you that brings about not just freedom from political tyranny or from physical enslavement, but it is my body broken for you that will free you from sin and give you eternal life. This is really about that. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is communicating to them. Now, in the course of this conversation, 
Jesus says something so offensive to them that, that many of them walk away. And what he says and how he begins this conversation is the first of seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus is going to say, I am. These seven I am statements. And, and the one that he, that he says today is, I am the bread of life. But he's going to go on from there and he's going to list others. He's going to say later in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And then he's going to say, I am the door. And he's going to say, I am the good shepherd. And he's going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All of these statements that Jesus is saying is pointing people not to the fact that Jesus is in fact a door. I mean, it, it's, it's more than that. It means something more than that. Not just that Jesus is a light, like we have lights shining here today. It, this is pointing to that. The temporal points to the eternal. The physical points beyond itself to something in the spiritual realm. And Jesus is saying, this is who I am. So today, what I want to do, as we prepare to take communion, I want us to consider what Jesus was saying when he says, I am the bread of life. And I want us to take it apart, just a phrase at a time. So I want to look at, I am the bread of life. So let's start with the I am. First of all, he says, I am. Now, this should remind us, if if you remember maybe being back in Sunday school as a child, when Moses was first approached by God to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses had all kinds of excuses why he didn't want to do what it was that God was calling him to do. Not, not unlike many of us, when God has called us to do something, we've always got all kinds of excuses that usually have to do with our own limitations. Moses got to the point where he said, well, who would I tell people you are? I don't even know your name. I mean, you know, how am I supposed to go back and tell them that God has told me to, to deliver you out of slavery? If I, and if they say, well, what's his name? I don't even know what to say. And God said, God said, tell them that I am that I am. I am that I am. And that became the sacred name of God that the Jews revered and continued to revere. They wouldn't even speak it. They wouldn't even write it out in text. If, if you've ever met an Orthodox Jew today and they write God, they'll usually write G slash D. They don't even, they so revere this idea of, of the I am. It's such a sacred and holy name they don't even say it. Well, here comes Jesus And as he's walking across the water in the middle of the storm, and the disciples are terrified, and they don't know who it is, and they're crying out, Jesus says, I am that I am. And the disciples immediately understood what that meant, and the storm stopped. Because God, the creator of the storm, the the one who controls all creation, spoke, and it stopped. So now he's speaking to these, this crowd that's gathered on the other side, and he says, I am. This, this, the word in Greek is ego ami, ego ami, and they didn't even say that. The Jews wouldn't even say those words. So, so it would be like we use contractions that say, you know, I'm going to go to the store. We don't usually say, I am going to go to the store. The Jews sort of did the same thing. They never said the full I am, and Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And immediately every Jew was offended because you don't say that. You don't use the holy name of God to describe yourself. And Jesus just did. But, but Jesus is giving an important message. The same message that God was giving to Moses. There is never a time that I was not. And there will never be a time that I won't be. Jesus is saying, I am the eternal presence. 
I am the eternal presence. Now, before we just rush past this, this is so important for us as Christians to understand. Because so many times our hope in Jesus is placed somewhere in the distant future. That that we somehow think that Jesus will work out for us someday. That, That Jesus will save us. That Jesus will eventually answer my prayer. That Jesus will eventually forgive me of my sins. But what if Jesus, the eternal presence, is saying, no, I am not, I will be the answer to your prayer. I am right now those things for you. I am grace in your life right now. I am peace in your life right now. I am salvation, not someday when you die, but I am salvation right now. See, Part of the reasons I believe that the world uh, is confused about what Christians believe is because so much we communicate is about how Jesus will work out in the end. And they're looking for a solution today. They're looking for a solution right now. And Jesus says, I am the eternal presence. But he says more than that. Because he says, I am the bread. And of course, every Jew had already had it in their mind about about how Moses had called called up to God and God had sent the manna down from heaven. They, They had that image and they saw that Jesus had fed them and they're hoping that Jesus will do the same thing again. And Jesus says, don't you understand? Your forefathers ate that bread and they are dead today. Just because I may... I may, I may have a miracle and I may feed you for another one of your meals doesn't mean that you're going to survive. So they remembered that idea of God providing the bread. And, and later on, when the Jews began to set up their tabernacle in the temple, they had another kind of bread that they made every day. It was called the bread of presence. And every day, the, the Jewish priests would bake fresh bread and they would put it out on the altar. And the smell of the fresh, anybody ever smelled fresh bread? I mean, it's just, yeah, it just permeates everything. So this fresh bread would be on the altar. And it was this idea that, that, they, that God wanted his people to be prepared to have a meal with him. It was like he said, I want you to remember that I'm, that I'm always, there's always this, the reality that I have come to meet with you, to commune with you, to share a meal with you. Do you remember what the psalmist says in Psalm 23 at the end? The psalmist says, you have prepared a what? A table before me. This idea of the banquet that, that God is, God is coming and, and there's going to be this great feast and we're going to dine together. We're going to commune together. It, you get to the end of Revelation and you see this idea of a banquet that we go, when you go to a family reunion, what do you expect to do? Yeah, besides, you know, avoid the relatives that you don't want to talk to, you, you're going to eat. Right? I mean, that's, that's always, there's something hardwired into the human, to the human consciousness that says when we get together, part of what we do, part of the intimacy of our relationship is we share a meal together. And it's about something more than the fact that I'm hungry. It's about something that, that we take this bread and we break it. And part of it is consumed by you. And part of it is consumed by me. And in that we're together. That's the image God is giving in this bread. And then Jesus In the book of Revelations, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone who will open the door, I will come in and I will what? I will eat with him. I will eat with him. I will eat with her and they with me. This idea that Jesus says, I am that bread. But it's more than that. He says, I am the bread of life. 
that regular food will spoil, but what I have to give you is eternal. Listen to what he said in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, when Jesus was talking about eternal life, he was not talking just simply about the fact that our our bodies would continue on living forever. The older that we get, the more that we realize that eternal biological existence may not be a good thing. I mean, things start breaking down, right? I mean, some of you don't understand that, but some of you do. Things start breaking down. I mean, the eyesight starts getting weak. I mean, things, you know, joints don't work like they used to work. I mean, all kinds of things start happening. And so when Jesus talks about this idea of eternal life, he's talking about, he's talking about Zoe. He's talking about, he's talking about something that has, that goes well beyond our physical existence. He is talking about this life, this life force that's inside of us. That, that we sometimes can't identify, but it's, it's what you see in people whose bodies are broken, but their spirits are, are very much alive. And Jesus says, that's the kind of bread that I've given, bread that will lead to eternal life. And he says, that begins not someday, but it begins right now. Because he says, I am the bread of eternal life. Listen to what he said in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, that's present tense, right now. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So what does all this, what does all this mean? Well, I, I, think, I think it has something really important for us today to understand as we prepare to take communion and understand what communion is ultimately about. It is that, that Jesus is not just something to believe in. For, for many of us who were raised in church and who've been in church a long time, that's what we were always told. That the, the whole key to Christianity was believe in Jesus. And I'm not diminishing that. I, I believe in Jesus. We just sang songs about believing in Jesus. But you, you do understand that unless something transforms inside of you and you move from just an intellectual belief in Jesus to something that goes much deeper, Jesus is saying that, that, that the belief itself doesn't save you. That you have to do more, that you have to be willing to consume Jesus. That he has to become the source of your life. That it's Jesus that sustains you. That just saying, yes, I believe a certain set of religious statements isn't enough. And it would be like, it would be like for, for those of us who just say, yeah, I believe those things. But we never, we never taste Jesus and find out that he is the, the present eternal life, that he is the present bread of life inside of us. It would be like a food critic who never goes and eats at a restaurant. Or it would be, it would be like a, a, a music historian who never goes to the symphony. Or, or an art critic who never walks through a gallery. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying. It has to be more than the fact that you're coming to me for yet another answer to your current present need because I've got so much more to give you than that. I mean, yes, bring me the need. Bring me the fact that you're physically hungry and I can feed you. Bring me the fact that your relationships are broken and I will speak wisdom into your life. Bring me your present needs. But if all you ever do is come to me for the bread that you need to get through the next meal, you'll only always be hungry again and again until you are willing to consume my body 
and to receive the life that I give you. You'll just end up in physical need and ultimately in death. But if you consume me, I will give you life that goes on for eternity. Because Jesus isn't just the source of life. It's just not where we go to get what we need. He is life. And if we're to have it, we must be willing to take him in more than just to our minds, but into every fiber of our being. So if you're here today and your soul is starving, God's made provision for you in Jesus Christ. If, if you're here today and you find yourself in more than just an immediate crisis of need, and we all face crises of need, but if you find yourself realizing that I'm only led from one crisis to another crisis to another crisis, I mean, the crises never end, do they? They always come up. But if you want something that goes beyond just what you need in the moment for the next crisis, God has provided it for you in Jesus Christ. Eternal life. He's provided you the bread of life that will never spoil. And so we're going to participate in communion. And I'm going to ask our, our, our music uh, team is going to come back up and our deacons are going to come and they're going to kind of position themselves around the room. And, and the way we do communion at Southside, there are lots of ways to do it. We don't get bogged down in, in, in the right way or wrong way, but, but the way we do it today is we're just going to invite you as, as we sing and as we continue to worship to find your way to, um, to some of our deacons. And they're going to offer you just a piece of bread. And they're going to say to you, the body of Christ broken for you. And then you can take that little piece of bread and dip it in the grape juice and they're going to say to you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. But now, listen, some of, you, some of you who are here today need to understand this is really about that. And you might not be at a place where you're ready to say, you know what, I'm, I've surrendered my life to Christ. I believe that he is the bread of life. I believe that he is the source of eternal life. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, then, then please don't feel any pressure or obligation. You do not have to participate. This is for anyone who believes what we've talked about and who has received Christ into your heart. And, and, and it's more than just a religious ritual, but it's a reminder for you that he is the source of life. Let's pray together. Father, we acknowledge that you are the bread of life. And we come to you today and we're hungry. Some of us uh, can't move past our physical hunger to recognize our spiritual hunger. Some of us are, are, find ourselves in, in such immediate needs, Lord, that, uh, that it's hard for us to think past uh, the temporal into the eternal. And that's why I'm so grateful that those 5,000 people plus that, that came to you, that you, you physically fed them first, and then you revealed to them who you really were and what you really came to do. So today, Lord, maybe for some, maybe for some, you would just meet their immediate need. You would feed their physical hunger today. But for others, Lord, who perhaps have recognized that their need goes well beyond whatever the current crisis is. Maybe today, Father, for the first time, they would say, I want more than just an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. 
I want to consume him. I, I want him to be a part of me. I want him to come inside of me and to animate me and to give me life. And Father, for those who are here today, who that's the sincerest cry of their heart, I thank you. I thank you that you will meet their needs and that you will give them that life that you promised. Lord, as we come and we participate in communion, Father, help us to look past just the symbolism and to see it for what it really means, that your body was broken, that your blood was poured out, that you have made a way for us to have peace with God and have life eternal. So Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to move inside your church, and to give us life. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.